Did did you watch Breaking Bad? Yeah, yeah, I watched the whole series. Do you remember that scene? I think it was a cold open scene, probably season one, season two, where it was Walter when he was a grad student with his girlfriend at the time, and they were decomposing the human body and and trying to figure out what the human body was made out of. And it was like like seventy mm. percent carbon. And okay. Twenty percent hydrogen and five percent nitrogen. Do you remember yeah. that scene? Kind of rings a bell. I remember the grad student scene. I don't remember the the body part. Well, so in in that scene, you know, they add up all the numbers of the the constituent elements, and there's you know some some per- small percentage missing or something like that. Mm-hmm. And the takeaway in the scene was that oh, you can decompose the human body into these constituent elements and and the percentage of a human body that's carbon and hydrogen, et cetera. But what is it that makes a human a human? Mm. Mm -hmm. It's not just carbon atoms and hydrogen atoms combining Mm -hmm. and reacting. There's something else. And I mean, I don't remember exactly what they started (laughs) talking about. Something about a soul or something like that. But Oh, yeah. You know, I thought that um, when I was, I was as I was reading the, the opening paragraphs of the emergence chapter, that scene kept kept popping up in my head. This idea of a whole is more than than the sum of its parts. A, a system mm-hmm. is more than just summing up the individual components and processes of uh, of, of of a system. And the idea of emergence is. When you have a system, there's often um, chance. Maybe chance is not the right word, but 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 often a, a system will, will operate in a way that is that is unexpected. Yeah, um, that that you can't quite distill or or predict. Yeah, I um, yeah, I think that's the perfect way to set this up, and the idea of emergence the i think it was really telling that the the cover for this um and this just sidebar this book is beautifully designed i love how each chapter has like its own index card level um mm, weight paper yeah. so anyway the emerge chapter shows birds in formation and i never knew that when birds fly in a v it's all an emergent pattern the birds don't have a zoom call in advance and say okay Jerry, you're taking the lead for today. And then <laughs> <laughs> Rebecca, you're next week, right? Like it just emerges as a pattern and they all go into their V, right? Um, I had no idea. And I, I think that that's really interesting that things that look so solid and formant, like in a, in a formation can actually just kind of organically evolve. And to me, the thing that came up is actually something we both have a little bit of experience in, which is improv acting. Mm. And I was reminded of how in improv acting, they give a really small set of rules to us. They, on our first lesson, they taught us about yes and, and about an environment of positivity and all those sorts of things. But then you have no idea where the scene is going to go. And that's kind of on purpose. Like the cliche in the TV show, The Office, where... Michael Scott's an improv is he keeps trying to force the narrative into him being a secret agent. <laughs> and it's always awful. The rest of his team hates him, right? He yeah. always, he always pulls a gun out regardless of what the scene is. And, uh, but the idea of improv is it's supposed to be emergent. It's supposed to be something 
spontaneous and you don't know where it's going to head. And I love that idea of applying it to as many different domains as you can think of. Yes. And, and emergence, it's, it's this property of a system, whether you're talking about birds flying or an improv routine or, or, or a leadership team working, you know, together. Uh, it's this, it's this uh, property of a system that, you know, what, what I thought was really important, this property of a system that you can't model out, that you can't distill into a con- constituent component. Um, a, a, but the reason why we, you know, study these mental models or the purpose of mental models is to help us better understand our world and, and make mm-hmm. better, better um, decisions. And, and I thought that this, this one, you know, maybe it wasn't so much about uh, making better, better s- systems, but it was, it was more around, um, you know, I think often in, whether we're talking about business or in life, people try to build systems that are predictable and repeatable and, mm-hmm. and, and scalable. Um, but what, one of my takeaways from this chapter was that innovation and evolution of a system, it happens when you, when you're not so rigid and, and you allow for new concepts and new mm-hmm. ideas to, to be introduced to a system or seemingly disparate you know, I, I, ideas or disparate parts of a system to, to mm-hmm. synthesize together. And so, you know, one, one of the lessons I sort of took away from this was that when you're building a system, um, you know, how do you create the conditions or how do you maybe not create it's how do you allow for the conditions um, for the discovery of, of new and unpredictable things to happen? Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's, I think you're totally right. It's less of a decision-making thing of if I'm faced at this crossroads, do I go down path A or B or what do I think about? But it seems to be like this really nice, positive openness to curiosity and openness to unexpectedness. I remember when I was working at Microsoft, one of our managers gave a talk and he said something really interesting. He said something to recognize about a lot of big companies, all big companies was his opinion, that they generally push you to be average. He said, because average is predictable, right? They'll set up a roadmap, they'll set up a plan, they'll set up a quarterly thing. And then ideally, everyone kind of follows a very predictable path. But he said the magic at an individual level and at a company level is when things deviate from that, right? When things become more than what you expect. So at an individual level, the most important thing you can do is be open to pushing the bounds. And so I thought that was interesting when he said it. And now, as I think about like being a parent or running projects or whatever, the best stuff happens is when you when you just allow things to happen a little bit and you're open to some of the unpredictability of it. I... Uh, Maya has this habit as a four-year-old of just like collecting things around the house. And I'm very tempted to be like, nope, these are toys. And this is like my stationery. Like, why do you need a bunch of post-its, right? You have paper, you have crayons. But I just kind of roll with it sometimes when I'm in a better state. And then I remember her grabbing a bunch of post-its recently. And then me coming back a couple hours later. And she made like a little art installation for herself. She like took her art, then used the post-its to like put them on the wall and put something together. And I was like, oh, actually, that's really creative. I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have thought about that, right? So um, I think you're right. It's less of a decision and more of a 
an openness to like, this is how the world can work. And if you're yeah. okay with uncertainty, then magic can result. Yeah, because inherently systems, you know, they're designed with well, when there's a certain context to the world. And as we all know, and, and as the, the book highlights multiple times, context changes. The, the world is is very, very dynamic. And if you, you, you are building a system, sorry, if you try to build a system that is predictable and, and repeatable, like the underlying notes to that is building something that is predictable in a certain context. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and context can change. It can change slowly. It can change quickly. And so you have to allow, you, yeah, you have to be open to the idea that, hey, our, our, our system can change and can evolve. And it almost needs to change and evolve because the context within uh, that, that it operates within is also changing. Yeah. Yeah. And I, and I, I, I like that sometimes like even just having a term to describe that is really handy, right? Like now that you and I have heard this term emergence, it's something that we'll be open to and also a pattern to look for a little bit, right? Like, yeah. Oh, that's emergence. And I like that uh, Farnham street kind of breaks it up into two different ways. There's like, for lack of, a, I'm, I'm, this isn't exactly right, but like simple emergence and complex emergence, something like that. Like a simple emergence is oh, uh, was it weak, 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 weak emergence and strong emergence. Right. Yeah, exactly. And weak emergence yeah. is maybe birds flying or simple formations. And then strong emergence is consciousness. Like what you were talking about at the beginning of the episode about something that is, we have no, we still don't know how neurons firing results in human consciousness and the idea of a soul. And um, I think that thinking of these terms, having that term emergence, and then having that spectrum of weak to strong emergence is, is just a really helpful mental model to have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe the, the model is, hey, do, is, our, is, uh, is our system set up for weak emergence? Or is it set up for strong emergence? And uh, and to the to the extent it's set up for really weak emergence, then it's actually not well equipped to handle chaos. It it actually is not well equipped to handle things that you 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 aren't uh, aren't expecting, um, or or it's. Like I don't, in in the chapter they were describing uh, n- nuclear power plant nu- nuclear power plants are actually very complex systems, mm-hmm. but you can very easily distill nuclear systems into their constituent components. Yeah, you know, give it a certain input, and you have certain processes to transform those inputs, and you get a very very predictable expected uh, output. And, course that's what you want in a nuclear uh, power plant but then i think to chernobyl and um uh i mean i'm basing this on skimming some wikipedia articles and watching an hbo miniseries but it was like (laughs) you know there's like miscommunication between one Mm -hmm. shift and the other and like the tools they had to measure the the radiation in in the uh, in, in the air like the tools themselves only maxed out at like 3.6, you know, whatever unit of radiation it is. Um, and, and so there, there was just like all these little like aberrations that were occurring that like the system was not set up 
to, to, to handle these things well, because the system, not just the physical power plant system, but, but the system of managing like the, that, that, that Soviet system of, of managing these crises, they were, they were set up to expect the world to operate in a very predictable, mm-hmm. re, re, repeatable way. And that's actually, you know, that's a reason why um, when, when COVID started emerging, mm-hmm. like officials didn't know what the hell was going on because COVID in terms of how it, uh, how it proliferated, like how it spread amongst populations, totally broke the model of how mm. viruses tended te- te- to te- tended to to propagate. You might have, might recall hearing the term R zero or or not mm-hmm, a mm-hmm, lot, mm-hmm. and I mean I'm probably bastardizing this, but but that that model was based based on like a very linear propagation model of viruses, mm. like mm-hmm. oh if. If someone's in infected and drop them in a in a space of ten other people, then you you know R not will tell you that three other people will get uh, get infected, and and that's very very uh, very very predictable, very repeatable. Where COVID totally broke things was you could have someone who's infected, drop them in a in a in a, a room of a hundred people, no one would get infected. You could take another person who has uh you know different genetic makeup uh you know different p- potentially different variant or whatever drop them in a room of 100 people and 80 of them would get, mm. would get infected and those would be the super spreaders and so it was very very asymmetric uh almost very bimodal in terms of how covid was was spreading and it totally broke the the mold in terms of how uh health officials public health health officials understood how viruses propagate. And so they had a weak emergent system where they had a system where, where again, all their protocols and whatnot were set up based on predictability and repeat, mm-hmm. repeatability. But something was introduced in the system which broke that mold and the system broke down. Oh, that's fascinating. That's really interesting because then it it's interesting on its own and it's neat to connect this with the first mental model we had about the map not being the territory. Mm. Because if you are taking a system, not recognizing that it's emergent or what degree to it, uh, what, what strength emergence it has. And then furthermore, if you try to model that system with a map, then you can see the layers of inaccuracy kind of build up. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, uh, systems are really just a mapping of of an input to an output. You just yeah. set up some processes that that you know, take some some raw inputs, um, and you know whether we're talking about like actual physical raw inputs like you know wood mm-hmm. and coal and other stuff, or or more abstract inputs like you know the effort someone might put into a job search. Yeah. Um, uh, Systems are just mappings from inputs to to outputs, and you know to to, to the extent a, a system can be perfectly described, uh, can can be perfectly broken down to constituent components. It's probably a weak emergent system, which means that a it doesn't allow for it's not a system that can, that's going to operate well when context changes, mm-hmm, and, and mm-hmm. b it's a system that is highly susceptible to to any disruption that changes that context. 
Yes, that is fascinating. It's just even looking at a system, I guess, in terms of maybe not decision making, but in terms of becoming better thinkers is a part of this. It helps us look at systems, understand if they're emergent or not, um, to what degree they are, and then also be aware if someone's making predictions about a system, then is that really valid or not based on what type of system it is, right? Yeah. So yeah. having this mental model, if this was something we had, or if we were thinking about it this way before the pandemic and someone's making predictions about the pandemic, it's possible to say, hey, actually, like there's a lot more at play here than we're thinking about. Making predictions is maybe not the smartest idea. Um, or another place you could look at is something like maybe to some degree investing. I'm not a big investor, but I've just seen the news about crypto and the big crash that's there. I think if we were to look back, then we'd probably see a lot of big predictions about certain cryptocurrencies doing really, really well. And now when you look back, it's like, okay, well, there's there's more at play that wasn't being considered. And maybe the success of these individual things was really being looked at in isolation versus part of a bigger market that's subject to a lot of factors. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Uh, so I, I, you know, I think, uh, I and mean, I mean, we've talked ourselves a little bit into how you can take the idea of uh, emergence within a system and and translate that into better decision making. And maybe again, maybe it's not about making specific decisions, but making decisions about how to build a system uh, or yeah. or how to decisions on um on on understanding uh, uh understanding the state of a system or or where where a system is yeah and, may- and maybe just even creating space for chaos to happen within that a little bit like at a professional level when we're part of teams and we're responsible for processes and the temptations to really spell out a goes to b goes to c goes to d but allowing for like within this space at least maybe we won't exactly know how it happens right but that's yeah. okay Right. Yeah. What we care about is the output here. Yeah. Well, even at, at as professionals, in, in the, the the chapter talks a lot about this of like social innovation and, and stuff. Is mm-hmm. that it, it, like innovation and furthering of, of knowledge? You know, it happens when people just sort of combine their knowledge, uh, or or they they find where are the edges of of their respective knowledge and domain that uh, haven't been put together before, but. Uh, but but when you do, some interesting things happen or, or develop. So so again, going back to this idea of when you're building a system, you know, even when you're building a, a business system, how do you again not create the conditions but allow for the conditions? Yeah, where yeah. where where emer- emergence can can happen. So I like I think the, the you know one of the key takeaways is emergence is not something you can control. Because it's not predictable, it's 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 not. It is a inherently a property of a system. Yeah, but but it's not something that you can predict. It's not deterministic. It's something that happens when the conditions are right. I love that. Yeah, that feels like a good good place to stop. It does to me too. That was great. All right. Well, we're building an emerging emergent podcast. So. Who knows where this will go? <laughs> I don't know where it's going to go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I will see you on the next one. See you at the next one.